Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Prestige, a podcast all about film lovers, for film lovers, uh, about films that we love. Each week we pick a film, we talk about that film, discuss some of the ideas and themes it throws up. Currently we are going through a season of looking at directors and how their work changes over their over their sort of time and we're currently looking at spike lee but as always we end the show with recommendations for further reading further watching and uh, explain why later on but this week was a particularly hard one for me um and but always we start the show with what else we've been watching um or what else we've been enjoying as with young children both often our time to actually watch things can be treated so, Sam, have you had a chance to watch anything or enjoy anything of note in the last week or so? Um, enjoy? No. Um, <laughs> fair saw, enough, fair enough, yes. I saw something and it was in the in the background as as my son was having a spectacular meltdown or something like that. Um, and I thought, well, it's a, I, I'm not really that bothered because this film is quite bad. Um, so I didn't feel that I was missing out on anything. Just on the background, mm. it was 2007's Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. Yeah, that is a bad film. Yeah, um, and I thought it, it just wasn't great. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm a forgiving guy on most films, um, especially superior ones. But that wasn't wasn't good. No. Yeah, there there have been, as you said, lot, lots of. Superior films recently, certainly the past decade, and superior films that were much better than that one, I thought. Fair enough, fair enough. Weirdly, at the the, uh, the flip side of the same coin, mm. uh, I have also seen a superior film this week. Are you going to talk about Black Panther? I am going to talk about Black Panther. Brilliant. Uh, I, I saw Black Panther this week. Um, I just took an evening after my daughter was on sleep and went out to the movies. And I saw Black Panther, and I would say that it is... In my opinion, it is worth every bit of praise that had been put on it. I cannot speak to, obviously, its representation and the ideas and sort of the ethnic... the the, the, the af, I can't speak to the African culture that it's putting on screen, but from outsider's point of view, it was amazing. And on top of that, it's an amazing Marvel film. We've often discussed how Marvel can, can struggle with bad guys, some of them becoming forgettable and a bit kind of nothingness, and these films can end in a you know two buildings hitting each other to ten minutes. And whilst this film has some CGI ness towards the end, it doesn't have that same feeling. It's much closer to a personal story. It's almost almost Shakespearean in the way it handles some of the, the dynamics of of the show um, and and the stories. And it was just brilliant. the The leads are outstanding, um, and I just think it's. It feels like Marvel with Thor Ragnarok and this are finding a little bit of their stretching again. I feel they got too locked into doing their formula films. They thought they'd cracked the, the, the superior movie and then they kind of lost their way. But it feels like now that, you know what, let's, let's go a bit wilder. Let's go a bit more interesting. And this is very interesting. And I, I am still thinking about it. Um, we'll get into this a bit later on with, with our movie of the week. But obviously it's a very interesting movie to watch in the same week that I'm discussing Bamboozled. Mm. Um, and I have some thoughts about that um, that we'll get to when we get into the proper full review of the movie. But okay. uh, yeah, it, it, it was it was a blindingly good time, um, and it's one of those films that feels important in mm-hmm. many ways. And I've often said there's a lot of important films often end up not being good films. Um, I, I'll point to Wonder Woman from last year that I particularly didn't enjoy. 
Um, but this felt like a really good film. Um, so yes, I will, I will shout it from the rooftops that Black Panther is worthy of the praise it is receiving. Good. Um, well, I'm living vicariously through other people at the moment because who knows when I'm going to get to go to the cinema again. Uh, so <laughs> It took me six months probably to get the movie again, I think. Right, okay. Yeah. Well, that, that will go straight to the top of my must-watch list when I do get back. Um, <clears throat> right, as Rob has alluded to already... Um, this week we are continuing our Spike Lee film. Hmm. This week we are continuing our Spike Lee season with the 2000 film Bamboozled. I want a show that will make headlines. The Huxtables, Cosby, a genius, revolutionary, but we can't go down that road again. The network does not want to see Negroes on television unless they are buffoons. Have you ever thought about just quitting? I have a contract. The only way I get out of that is if I get fired. And that is what I intend to do. I know you are familiar with menstrual shows. Variety show shows. Like in Living Color. Right, right, right. That was dope. Man, tan. Bamboozled features Damon Wyans, Savin Glover and J.D. Pickett-Smith in a story of a frustrated black American TV writer who's... He's trying to get fired, and he proposes a debilitatingly racist minstrel show, and it turns out to be a rather annoying success. Um, and you get the fallout of that. After the treatments of race in America that we saw in She's Gonna Have It and Do the Right Thing, this is an even more uncomfortable watch about a subject that is still sadly relevant. I will say before we get into this film that Rob Rob says quite regularly on this podcast, and he he says says it quite well that these are just the opinions, just the perspectives of two middle class privileged white men, and I sometimes think when when you say that, well, no, we're more than that. We're both well educated. One of us even has a PhD in this area, in exactly this area. And then th- things like this film make me think how wrong I am to think that. Because in this case, your caveat is especially necessary. And like that sort of thing that I think feels kind of uncomfortably close to something you get from a character in the film is the consultant that Dunwitty brings in. Mm. Um, so we're going to talk about this film this week, but we're going to be incredibly careful as we do so and we're going to do so with the full knowledge that we do so not knowing this experience at all so rob your thoughts on this film i very often when i watch a film i i I have a gut reaction and that often turns out to be the true reaction to the film so i I have a lot of faith in your like what did you experience watching the film Is, is it good or bad often comes out there and I couldn't do this with this film. I, I I had no. I finished the film and I literally sat there in silence, thinking, I don't, I don't know if I liked that. I don't know if that's a good film. I don't know if it's a good film that I didn't like because I'm feeling uncomfortable because of the film, or I just thought it was a bad film. And it took me probably a good twenty four hours to actually come round to thinking about this film in terms of what I thought of it. 
And I think it's a good film. I think it's a very good film. I think that it... I can see the natural progression that took Spike Lee from Do the Right Thing um, to here. I think the film can be, um, shall we say, maligned because of its its aesthetic choices. Um, those who haven't seen it, it is shot on mini DV, which is a consumer level product. Um, so if, if anyone had a camera in the what late nineties, early two thousands, uh, little mini tapes, it was shot on those. Um, and it's not a it's not a film format, and it gives it a certain look that uh, is very at odds with some of the more sumptuous and rich colours that we saw in um, the in Do Right Thing, but at least the sumptuous black and whites of She's Gotta Have It. So it has a, 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 a choice. And, you know, the, the, a lot of the characters are wildly unlikable, um, particularly Pierre Delacroix, who is our kind of our, our, our way into this world. He speaks with a very affected um, sort of upper-class posh accent, um, that uh, I could, I still to this day, I'm not sure was uh, Wayne's not nailing the accent or was the, the sort of awkwardness of that intended. But I think it is, at least in the three films that I've seen so far of Spike Lee, the most nakedly angry of his films and the most mm. nakedly pointed in what he's trying to say. And it is a satire, and they open the film by saying, you know, explaining what satire is. Um, it is a very, at times, a very blunt satire. Um, and sometimes it's a very, very subtle sapphire, uh, sapphire, uh, sapphire. And I think sometimes the message can be a little bit lost in that. Um, but it is interesting that you know, the idea of, like, the, the, the ideas of minstrel shows, um, what they are, and, like, obviously bringing back an actual minstrel show wouldn't happen. But in this day and age, what are minstrel shows? You know, what is the modern minstrel show? Mm. Um, so it's hard to describe this film because it is it is a film that kind of defies classification a little bit that uh, if you say you didn't like it then you always might say you didn't get it um, but I, I did like it as a a film I'm not sure I liked it as a viewing experience um, but I did like it as a overarching film that I have seen if that makes sense what mm. about you Sam? Um, similar to you really I I was left no pun intended, bamboozled by this film. This film thoroughly confused me. Um, and it took me a while to sort out what I thought about this film. I still don't think I've sort out what I've sorted out what I thought about this film. Um, and I'm not sure, and this is, I'd like to dive into a theme fairly early. I, I think that as you said, an, an obvious thing that this film is about is satire. Um, but I think I'd like to talk about this week what satire means. And I think what's going on here is that you have Pierre Delacroix thinking satire is one thing, Dunwitty thinking satire is another thing, Spike Lee with his, as you said, his blatant anger and his sort of parodies of Cuba Gooding Jr. award ceremonies, he's saying that satire is something else. So there is so many different levels of satire in this mm. film. And I think that that is one of the things that this film is about. And one, I suppose that's the, the character that we can most identify with in the film is Jodie Pickett Smith. So yes. when she reacts in, in that, disgusted way to what's going on and 
I don't think she's as much disgusted by the idea to start with because she and um she and Aguar talk about it on the on the terrace before they do it. But I think she's disgusted by Pierre's take on it afterwards because Pierre decides to roll with it and say, Well, this is a success I'm making of this, so mm. maybe I should dress it up in a slightly different way and it's her disgusted reaction to that 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 it drives our reaction to this to this whole experience. I think it's important to recognise with this film that absolutely no one in this film is above being targeted by the mm. satire. That the, yeah. Yeah, the, it isn't a case of that we st- we we are supposed to think well that person's the victim here. Everybody, you know, everyone is as complicit as anybody else. Um, and yes, you probably got Jenny Pinkett Smith's character as the, the the least complicit of the characters because uh, she is the one who's clearly vocal and in the end violent about her opposition to this story. Um, but she's still complicit in its creation. Mm. Um, and I think you know the film certainly pulls upon echoes of things like the producers um, or network from the 70s and they certainly didn't quotes from the network and trying to invoke those ideas um, but yeah I think, I think you've got to remember that, that Pierre Delacroix is as much the bad guy as anybody else Dunwitty may be a very very obvious racist and a very very obvious target to for of white American media creators who think they know what the black experience is um, but Dunwitty is as Dunwitty, um, Delacroix is as as venal a character as anybody else. As soon as his what was supposed to be a you know a middle finger to the man, his sort of burning down abilities went out. As soon as he gets success, he buys in entirely, mm. uh, and you see him in backface at the um, at the end as well. And it's not until sort of you know the, the weight of what he's done starts crashing down on him, and he gets shot that you feel he has any kind of moment of self-realisation or actualization. But he, he is as much a product of this as anything else. And you do, at the start, he talks about, you know, he, he's writing, you know, intelligent shows about black life, um, but no one wants those. And that, that, that is a true statement that um, that, that, that he's dealing with. But the idea that, that his character sort of abandons all those morals and all those... Um, sort of ideas as soon as he gets some money in the same way that Man Ray does the same thing. Um, mm. it's, it's also, but you know, he's spikely skewering a lot of targets here. And I fully accept that as, as we know, I'm not going to get all of those targets. Um, in the same way, any film that, that, that a director makes that is almost hyper localized or hyper or focused on a certain um, culture or community, that someone outside that culture. I'm not going to get. Uh, in the same way, you watch any kind of spoof or um, parody or satire. That like some of it's a very broad satire, but some of it's very very cutting. And I'm not I'm not going to get all those things. And so I I don't know what sometimes what they're talking about. I've done some reading around it, but I still kind of recognise what they're going for in the in the broad strokes. Mm. Something else I, I was thinking was, it's not. I mean, it's an, a film of average length. It's just over two hours. It's it's not a really, really long film. And yet, lots and lots of this film, they spend a good five, five minutes, five, ten minutes on the specifics of blacking up. Yes. And this is something that, I mean, I've 
done some reading about recently and we'll put it in the show notes but there's something this is not just this is why I think this film is so successful for me I mean it wasn't a box office no no it is a a critical and cultural bomb yeah but the reason I think this is such a success is that it's not just a sort of glancing satire skewering lots of different people lots of different attitudes in society it speaks to something really painful about the in Delacroix's words negro experience in america and looking at focusing on the physicality of blackface is an important part of that mm. well, i think it, i think it's also interesting that the film does feature everything from the harvard educated Delacroix to the homeless man ray and um Womack to the more militant um, black experience in in Mau Mau, mm. um, and even even the, sort of the dichotomy of of uh, Dela, Delacroix and Jeffrey Smith, whose character I keep forgetting, but oh, really. Sloane Sloane, who essentially have the same same level in life, but she had to work her way up to it through her internment. He kind of came in off back of his, his Harvard education, um, and I think that the, uh, you know, the, the the film does kind of give wherever you are you get you get somebody who sits there you know he is attacking every every part of that culture and almost the complicity of 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 black people in their this their own um sort of racial profiling um and he does talk about you know, the, the actors from the from the old days and how you know, if you wanted to get work that's the only way you could do it um, but the film feels like it's still it's not it's taking shots at obviously sort of white America and the uh, the media conglomerates and that sort of thing. But it's also taking some some pretty broad shots at black culture um, mm. and and all of that. Um, but I think you know, the film I, I, I did some reading around this. The film is so nuanced in many ways. You get the two the two main performers who get renamed Man Ray, Man Man Tan, and um, Sleeping Easy is it? Sleeping Eat. Sleeping Eat. Uh, now, yeah. Man Tan and Sleeping Eat are actually are proper performers from, from the 40s and 30s. Those names mm. are existing people um, who we see in, in the, the sort of montage of uh, shots and clips that ends the film and sort of you see halfway through the film. These um, sort of performers who are forced to gesture themselves to, 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 to dance for, you know, the, um, for, for, the, for the, the white audiences that you see all of that. Um, but the film, I think the film still retains its, in amongst all this satire, a real sense to shock. Um, and I, I want to tell a brief sort of segue, shaggy dog story here a little bit. Uh, where I have my, my day job, uh, we have a big office and there's a big monitor on the wall that has like graphics and, you know, you know, numbers and figures on it all the time. Come Christmas, sort of first December, we put Christmas films in there. So for like a month, we just rotate as many Christmas films as we can find and put them on there. We stuck on there. We stuck on a holiday in. So we'd be done. You know, things like White Christmas. We've been watching that kind of thing, and we stuck on holiday in. And a film which is quite a uh, sort of well-known Ivor Berlin film, featuring Fred Astaire, features quite an extended blackface sequence halfway through. And genuinely, this is an office. This works in IT. It's an office full of white guys, and we were genuinely like, honestly, like gobsmacked. 
I just, you know, you think you often think of blackface as this thing that was, you mm. know, back in the 1920s, and it was like we've all moved on from that, and it's not, it's not relevant anymore. And these are certainly claims levelled at Spike Lee's bamboozle film that it was too broad a topic, too too racially charged. But it still genuinely shocked me to my core to see a, a, a film that sort of mainstream someone like you know Fred Astaire and 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 Bing Crosby in it to have a blackface sequence and I think this, this film still has that moment of like the feeling of of, of like descending into hell the film has as they can move forward further and further and further and there's one shot that really struck it out to me and I thought you know in despite the sort of the low quality technology of the aesthetic there's a shot in which we talked about it earlier in which uh, Delacroix and mm. Sloan are talking to Dunwitty and the PR consultant and it's like a two shot of um of, of Dunwitty and Sloan and they're just they're, any other hands it's just a normal scene around a table but the camera is moving in such a way that they aren't moving but the background behind them is going up you see the other buildings that you know, the biscuit is, and they're kind of going the camera's moving sort of downwards and keeping them in shot and you get this feeling they are descending that they're just dropping down um, the kind of that effect of the world moving around them and it's that feeling that I had with them of just like this is getting out of your control this is this is this thing that you thought was so racist mm. and so reactionary that it would never get this far it would never even you know and it isn't played for laugh in the same way the producers is but it's this kind of growing feeling of dread and 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 like I'm descending into hell here and the, the moment the world is dropping around them, I thought that was a really interesting moment. I had that same feeling of do the right thing like last week, of that crushing sense of something's going to happen. This film where the tensions are boiling over and the racism is kind of um, sort of growing, that it, it, something was going to happen. And I think that's something that you have with um, this shot of Pierre straight after the pilot's filmed, well, after the car ride back home, he looks at his this on his computer. You see him looking at a bunch of pictures. There is a sadly infamous uh, picture, and I'll put this in the show notes as well, of um, a slave ship, and it gets reproduced a lot. There are dark marks representing the bodies as they were sort of packed into this hold, and you think that. The, this whole thing has overtaken him, as you said. This is sort of is descending into hell, and this is where he's left. He's left looking at a picture of a slave ship because this is what he's done. Mm. He's brought it down to this. Oh, and you can you can hear him thinking, "Oh my God, what have I done? What have I done to the people whose culture?" is something that I'm representing, what have I done to my family, my mother who has disowned me, my father who's also a performer but very definitely only a different sort of performer, wouldn't recognise what I'd done. Um, mm. And you, you you see this very much as a conclusion of this, this descent that you get throughout the initial stages of the film. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, it's... This is where, this is why I think was I really enjoyed the film. I think it's a good film. I totally understand why it didn't get the same love of early films. Like in many ways, do the right thing is a much cleaner narrative. It has, it has the same element of not being sure who the bad guy is, and it's got logic not being not having a clear sense of what the right thing to do is. Um, whereas this film often has the duality of different people and the different roles. It has it, it's so 
peppered with broad strokes and narrow strokes and it's so kind of convoluted it doesn't offer mm. any clear answers Where, whereas we do the right thing he ha- we have a moment that we discussed and has been discussed about throwing the trash can and the moment things change the, this whole film mm. is about people the moment changing you know there are so many films that I don't understand what happened I don't think that happened um, that I totally get why it didn't get the same kind of commercial love but I still think it, it's it's a great film and I think it speaks massively about um, the black representation and, and as I tied it back to what I said earlier having seen Black mm. Panther this week that has been hailed as this this sort of game changer in terms of representation and, and obviously it's gone on to be a huge success like fifth fifth biggest opening weekend oh, ever fine. of any film ever um, I believe it's currently out and it is it, 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 and it has all this nuance in terms of its uh, people of colour that it portrays but here we are I mean, this film was made what 2000 mm-hmm. so here we are 18 years later and it's still I can point to one film and go that that's brilliant I can still point to the fact that you know that these film that these shows are out there you know, the black experience is still portrayed as a comedy I think about that you know so many of the shows that I watched growing up you know everyone hates chris my wife and kids all these kind of things the black experience is still portrayed as a comedic experience mm. we still look to black comedians to to be funny on tv now movies we've still got a few we have denzel and we have people like that who are um but we we, we expect humor from a lot of our black tv shows in the way we don't expect from other people and other races to do their shows. And I think that's it's very interesting that even in suppose the 2018 where we think we live in quite an enlightened age. And you think, you know, uh, uh, you look at bamboos and think, well, you know, minstrel shows were years ago. Why are you bringing why are you bring up minstrel shows? It's just because they're still there in different form. We're still mm. dealing with this still kind of thing, you know. We're still dealing with the idea that that the black people have a certain or people of any kind of color have a certain role to play in our cultural narrative. And the power of Black Panther and the success of it is kind of here's here's a first big breakout superhero movie of that level that says they can be anything. Um, but it's it, it's power comes out that it's still an issue. Mm. And I think that's exactly what Spike Lee saying in those um, award ceremony sequences, which I confess I knew Cuba Gooding Jr. I had to Google the other one. It's Ving Rhames at a an award ceremony it's, well, yes. it, and what he's saying it, throughout that is this is this is what, what the black experience is for me now in 2000 and something needs to be done about this and the sad thing is that it's taken 18 years for this to be done in mm. one particular instance that you have it- with Black Panther and I think you know it, it's it's very easy to say. Well, we're all past that now. You know, we left um, blackface behind many many years ago, and and that is certainly true to a certain point. But you still have issues. You know, you have. I mean, there was a case a couple of years ago where uh, I believe it was a, a local rep from the NCAAP in America turned out to be a white woman who pretended yes. to be black. Yeah. Um, I can't remember her name offhand, but there's still instances of, of this, and you're still facing you know, the Black Lives Matter movement in America. And it's like, you just think, we aren't moving past it. And it's the same experience we had last week watching um, Do the Right Thing. Like, these films feel aged and yet also so prescient. Her first name is Rachel, and I've forgotten her surname. 
Yes, I must say. I led earlier saying that I had a, a hard week finding films to rep to sort of link to with this, mm. uh, but I got there in the end. What about you, Sam? Did you have anything to, to, to you wanted to bring? Um, well, thematically, no, really. Um, as you said, it was a particularly tough week to think thematic links. Um, I've gone for two links to films. And I don't know whether this is after sort of a particularly heart-hitting week, looking for some light relief. I've gone for two fairly rubbish films, um, but they're films that I quite enjoyed and am happy to recommend. If not in the This is a Good Film category, certainly, and this is a bit of a light relief after Bamboozle category. The first one is Michael Rappaport, the... Um, odious Mr. Dunwitty was also in Deep Blue Sea which I remember seeing and it may have been it was very close to when it came out in 1999 um, if if it is a 15, if it's an 18 then it certainly was nowhere near 1999 Oddly enough I believe you and I saw it together at uh, The yeah. View in Reading Right, well there we go. Uh, this may be why I have good associations with it. I, I remember seeing it with friends and enjoying it. Um, it's not the greatest film, but it's a lot of fun. And it has a bonus of Samuel L. Jackson, who we didn't talk about enough last week, as Mr. Senior Love Daddy. We should talk more about that, yes. Um, and secondly, on my tip of rubbish films this week is Jada Pickett-Smith in Scream 2, um, which is rubbish, but worth watching for <laughs> for David Arquette and Neil Campbell and others, and it's just an enjoyable way to waste a couple of hours. Fair enough. Weirdly enough, I, I've gone a similar way to you. Um, mm-hmm. That there are, I mean, I've recommended already recommended it's things like... Um, you're not my Negro from last week. I'm not even. Um, so some of that stuff we kind of I use up when we were talking about uh, do the right thing. Um, so I've I've gone a, a similar actor route. So the lead Damon Wayans um, also appears in a small part in a 1993 film that I'm I have a bit of a soft spot for, um, and that is the Schwarzenegger action movie Last Action Hero. Um, ostensibly about you know, the, the a, CP, a, a movie action guy coming into the real world um, it's really just an action movie uh, Schwarzenegger is self-aware and funny um, and Dane Waynes appears in it as a sort of a smallish bit part so if you haven't seen it and a lot of people haven't because it kind of it's one of his his flops shall we say um, it's worth talking about I'm sure I've recommended it before on this show I'm sure I've played it before um, but uh, if I haven't I, I really should be and secondly, and this is a, this is a, a, a bit of a hill on which I, I often die when it comes to movies, I want to recommend the Matrix sequels. Uh, Jada Pinkett Smith appears in them as um, Naomi, um, the sort of captain of a uh, of a ship. Off the off the high of the Matrix, the two films certainly I get woollier and shaggier and they don't have as kind of a clear narrative as the first film. But I think there's a lot of good things in there. I think there's a lot of lot to be said of these films uh, as kind of good fun adventure films that have some interesting ideas they get a lot of stick and i'm not, i know i'm not going to reverse the world's view of these films but it is a, a a stand i make that these films are good and quality and stand up on their own um, so i am using this chance now with jada to do that he says with emphasis yes right 
<laughs> I did. I, I looked at those and thought, no, no one is going to recommend the Matrix well, 2 or 3. You know me, Sam. If there's a terrible <laughs> film that everyone hates, yes, that's where yeah. I'll be making a stand for it. <laughs> so, guys, we are going to jump a few years in, in ahead from uh, 2000 Bamboozled all the way through to uh, two years, three years ago now. Uh, uh, with Spike Lee's film Chirac 2015 so we'll be back here next week talking about that movie um, I'm very intrigued to see uh, where Spike Lee has, has got to um, in the what now 20 years since he first sort of broke onto the scene 30 years now God, 30 years till then guys you can find me online at Rob Koju you can find me at life underscore academic uh, you can find both of us at Prestige Podcast. And we shall see you all back here next week. The Prestige is a Kaiju Industries production. Check out their other work at facebook.com forward slash Kaiju Industries. Rawr! Arr.